Welcome to day four, number 85, with the man, Frank Scalish. What's going on, Frank? We are live. We are live, and this show is for the birds. (laughs) Specifically, one type of bird that we're going to get into right off the hopper. I was perusing uh, social media, and I saw there on LureNet. A lot going on over there, specifically... uh, yeah. I don't know what sound. I was going to try to make the sound that this particular bird makes, but don't do it. <laughs> but it has to have a very a very specific sound because didn't they used to put them in coal mines? Well, yeah, they put them in coal mines because of uh they wanted it they would die if they came in contact with gases. Oh, it wasn't that they would sing no. No. if they smelled a particular gas? No, they would die. <laughs> well, why? Why they use that bird? It's such a pretty bird. Why didn't they use like a grackle, a because European was, grackle? Because because this the can I'm going to say it. It's a canary because the canary is so sensitive to noxious fumes that, and it's so small that it it would die almost immediately. So they would know there's a gas problem in the in the coal mines, which is pretty wild if you think about it. I mean. You got to have your axe, your pick, your shovel, and your box of canaries. <laughs> that's a that's just a bad deal that the For canary the got. Yeah, that the canary got chosen out of all that because they're so sensitive. Right, right. Well, I mean, dude, it's like a trout. A, a trout can detect pollutants in the water that's almost non measurable. Um, they actually put sensors in. I'm going to get this all wrong because I read it like 20 years ago. They put sensors in the trout's head um, so they can tell what pollutants are in the river systems. Um, it was it was a study done a long, long time ago. But they used trout for that. Because certain animals are very sensitive to certain things. You know shad. I mean? Shad are sensitive to anything. Shad do not survive. Uh, threadfin shad. Threadfin are very sensitive to temperature change. It's like ludicrous. We don't even have them here. They can't survive the winter. Clay's got, he said they would die in low uh, oxygen and the miners would have time to evacuate. How did they figure that out, though? Yeah, how did they figure that out? I don't know. but There had to be one guy who had like a lifelong friend in a canary, (laughs) like Joe the Canary, and he took it with him to work every day. And then one yeah, day, it was, it was bring your pet to work day. One day, he's like, "No, no, Joe. wake up, wake up, Joe!" <laughs> and Joe never woke up, and then everyone was like, "I have a little difficulty breathing down here." <laughs> we got to bring the canaries. <laughs> and then there it is. So, so we're talking about canaries. Um, there, you know, you know what? We're not gonna. We're gonna get into this this color in a minute, but. Uh, yeah, it, oh, I've been fishing for a long, long time, okay? Like, there's probably some viewers out there that I've been fishing longer than they've been alive. Um, and and what I've noticed through the course of time, there's some colors that should just never go away. They're, they're standbys. They work all the time, you know, and they should never go away. Well, a, a while ago, um, they had a color in Norman called Canary. Okay, canary was one of those colors uh, that probably should never have gone away. It's a fantastic color. So 
let me show you this thing first okay for those who don't know what the original canary color looks like it is a pale chartreuse side it's got like um i'll say brownish gold shoulders on it brownish gold scale pattern shoulders the back is metallic gray with uh lavender pearls purple and lavender pearls this bait is actually very beautiful in the water and the chin is a pale pearl pink or red it's actually red but it's very light so it has a pinkish appearance to it um what i found with this color is it translates really good in clean water as well as off color to dirty water um it's a really unique color um it has subtleties uh to it that make it great in all the conditions um like in clear water this thing looks like a real bait fish and then in the off color to dirty water what happens is what i notice because you guys all know like i'm a color freak so what this color does in the in dirty and off color water is it actually starts to reflect its surrounding water tones which is what real bait fish do um if you see a bait fish if you see a if you see a shad for example flash in clear water it looks silver and metallic if you see the same shad flash in dirty water it looks white this bait does exactly the same thing it's a great bait now the thing about it is this is a lure net exclusive color so you're not going to find this anywhere it's a bring back okay in a lot of the shows we talk about signing up for the newsletters and stuff here's why this is important to sign up for the newsletters because you will have input in they'll do a survey they'll put a survey out hey what color would you like to see come back and then and then they'll look at all the hundreds of you know return surveys and they'll say hey look we got 45 that wanted canary we should put canary back you know what i mean so so by going to the newsletters on LureNet and you know and and staying attuned to this you'll have input on on bring back colors and stuff like that even on some you know new stuff for the paint shop and the diy program um you'll be able to have input on what body blanks you want to see so the newsletter is really important but i'm getting off track because the, the okay because we're talking about the you know the canary color so here's the deal the canary is in and i'm going to show you because it's not in everything the canary's in the dd22 whoop where am i you're good I'm on the wrong covering side. up the color. Yeah. DD-22. Okay. Okay, this bait dies. It says it dies 11 to 17, but on 12, I can get this bait down to 18. Um, Why is it know, called a DD-22 then? Back in the old days. See, the, here, here's another crazy thing. This bait is that a is, bad question? No, it's a fantastic question. I don't think you've ever answered that. I, I haven't. And I'm I just assumed to, it dove 22 feet. That's exactly why they named it the DD-22. Then they was, figured out it didn't. Well, no. Well, well, no. Um, here's This bait's been around since the early 80s, mid-80s. Okay? So it was one of the very first crankbaits of its time to be named after a depth range. Okay? Now, back then, getting a depth range wasn't as sophisticated as it is today. Um, today, we have way better technology. They can be accurate to a couple feet. Um, back then, they couldn't be. 
It was a guess. Make a cast. Hey, there's something in 20 feet of water. Ooh, I hit it. I hit it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, today they use, you know, they have the black and white checkerboards in a clear pool. Make a cast. You know, hey, on a 50-foot cast, this bait will get down to whatever. That's Wait a the- second. Checkerboards? We're off topic here, but what? that's how you determine the depth now? Like they have a... Well, they can see each each checker, each... Bl- I black see, and then wherever the bait hits on it a- on the side. Okay. 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 So, so they have better technology today, but Norman was the first bait to do that. See, they named the DD 22 after a depth range. Um, They had the DD 14 after a depth range. Um, They were the first, they, they were like literally forefront in the industry. Okay. The other thing Norman did was they started, um, you know, using instead of clear coat, um, they're used gel coat. Uh, to 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 seal the deal on the lures, okay? Seal the colors on the lures. They use gel coat. Well, the gel coat actually had a very positive effect on the baits, which nobody really talks about. Um, it gives it a very slow rise, okay? Because of the weight of the gel coat, gives it a super slow rise. So so Norman was a very thought out um, crankbait system. Back in the day, it was the number one crankbait in, on the planet. You could buy them in convenience stores and gas stations. Um, it was it was monstrous, okay. But 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 way back then, because that lure was doing so well and competition wasn't as caught up yet, they quit advertising Normans. And so over the course of 15 years with no real marketing except for tournament results, and here, you know, um, the Deep Little Lens 1 Classics, the DD-22 has, um, this, bait is, this bait has been around for yeah. a long time with a, a, with a huge track record, okay? So anyway, so, so then so we're revitalizing the brand, obviously, because, you know, we own it now. So we're revitalizing the brand. We're not changing it in the sense that it, they're still going to be made out of buterit. Well, they have been forever. Um, you know, buterit, everybody knows the characteristics of buterit. It's a softer plastic. It has a dull thuddy sound. Um, dull thud sounds resonate really well in Bass's lateral lines. They can, they zero in on it. They know that where that bait is. Like a rattle bait makes high frequency noises. It's got all kinds of different noise and sound to it. The bass can hear a rattle bait a mile away, but it's hard for them to f- figure out exactly where it is until they see it. And, th- and so that's, you know, that's the difference. Like I've, I've thrown the Norman fat boy, which is, which is, you know, Norman square bill. It's one of my favorite square bills. Okay. So I've thrown the Norman fat boy and I've seen that bait. Actually, I've seen the bass come around the stump to hit the bait before the bait even gets to the stump. That's how that's how they know where that thing they feel is. it. They feel it in their lateral line. And so buterit is a very important triggering system. Norman has it. It's had it forever. The gel coat also slow rise. It's almost like a suspending bait in a sense. Now it'll rise. It won't suspend, but it'll rise. So like so these are all important attributes to Norman. Okay. Now, now, obviously, we're supposed to be talking about the canary color, but I'm a Norman freak. Um, I grew up fishing them. I know Norman's like the back of my hand. 
I've done crazy tricks to Normans. I've done all kinds of things. So, so there's a bait. Okay, so let me just tell you what Canary's in first, because then I want to talk about something. Look at it, man. We're going now. <laughs> so the DD-22, the Norman NXS, which I'm going to talk about the NXS in a minute. Obviously, the most popular Norman probably ever made, the Deep Little N. And then the Middle N, which is probably the most underrated Norman ever made. The Middle N essentially is like the first rock crawler. Um, th this bait has been around for decades. Um, this is my go-to bait on the 45-degree rocky banks when in the early spring, um, this is what I'm throwing. I, I, I throw I throw the middle end like crazy. Um, and then, of course, the Norman Fat Boy, which is, you know, I said my favorite square bill. Um, the Fat Boy is super buoyant, still a slow, slow riser. But the thing I love about the Fat Boy is comes through wood, it, it, like it comes through wood magically, comes through rocks, obviously better than anything because it doesn't hang up in the wood. It ain't, it's not hanging up in the rocks but I can rip this through the grass. And that's what I love about the fat boy. And I showed a long time ago, I showed a video on that thing going through the grass. So let's, let's talk about the NXS for a minute. Norman, as you, as you all know, Norman has a, a specific bill design. I mean, you look at the, the DD 22, you look at the, the deep little N um, you see how the bill shape is. Oh, that's good. That's the NXS bill. Okay. So the Normans have a Normans have a tendency. They dive down, but they swim down. Okay. In other words, it's more of a parabolic arc when you cast the Norman out to get to your target range. It's more of a parabolic arc. This does a few things. I won't get in super detail, but if you've got fish suspending off of a ledge, you can just literally swim that Norman right through that suspending school and catch them. Okay. Where when you have a hard diving bait, it dives too fast, too deep underneath the school, you're less likely to catch a suspended fish because they're always feeding up. So if you have something that swims through them gradually, you're more likely to get a bite. So, so that's how the, that's traditionally how the Norman goes. Okay. So the NXS is the, is the only, true hard diving plug in norman okay and you see the you can see the build design on it it's it's very it's very similar to the xd series it's it's a it's designed specifically to to have a fast dive now this bait's been around for a long time just never got popularity um basically because there hasn't been marketing in norman for you know two decades but um but it never got the popularity. This thing's an incredible tool because there are times when you want that fast diving plug, you want it to get to the bottom and you want it to stay there longer. So if I'm fishing a bigger structural terrain where I, where I can't make a long cast. Okay. Then I'm going to pick that bait up because I don't, I can get it down to depth on a shorter cast. I don't have to bomb a giant cast out there. So if I'm paralleling something, shorter cast gets me right there. I'm tight to the bait. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's there's reasons for throwing each 
crankbait. Precise. And each, right. And each crankbait has a different, you know, it's a different tool. It's like golf clubs. Everyone's different. Everyone's for a reason. But, you know, but the canary color is exciting to me because um, when we talked about bringing it back, it, we were only talking about it. And the, 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 the lures that I had were probably, you know, got 20 plus years old, maybe longer. So they faded a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and um, over time, I mean, these things are 25 years old, probably the ones that I have. Um, and, and, it, and so I didn't remember what the original one looked like. And I painted a bunch of them for myself to fish with. Um, but they weren't the right color because I wasn't copying the right color. You know what I mean? So it was really a cool thing to bring this bait back. I'm really excited about it. Um, like I said, it's just, it's a great color. It's one of those that just should have never left in the first place. Six ninety nine you know? for all of them. DD22, Deep Little End, yeah. Little End, NXS, right. and the Fat Boy. Right. And guys, it's a lure net exclusive. It's the only place you can get it. And there is a limited run on it. Um, but there wait, is. there's more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't act yet. You'll get your Ginzu knives. Um, <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be a full-blown Norman show. <laughs> but no, that's it's okay. all good. That was some good information on all those. Yeah, because. On all those baits. Well, it's important. It's important to understand the system. See, to me, I'm going way off on the deep end, man. That's my OCD. It's your show. You go on any deep end. See, Tim, like, okay, decades ago, decades ago. Is this another story about your honeymoon? (laughs) No. Oh, sorry. Okay, continue. Although I have been married for almost three decades all right sorry Not decades ago three. i've got you off track twice today now decades ago you're good at that matthew you're good at that so like i like my offshore that's literally all i used to do is offshore fish um literally all i did was offshore fish and um so i've used practically every crankbait made and and every crankbait has different reasons for whatever they do. I found the Norman crankbait in almost all of my applications has been able to perform and catch fish. So I stayed with Norman heavy, like my boat was loaded with them. Even when I was fishing Bassmasters, um, Normans and fat-free shads, especially the fat-free shads. Um, back in the day, because they were, you know, they came out, they came out, and then the Strike King series came out. So those two baits were very similar in design, how they ran, the depths they went to. My Normans were still like mid two thousands, right? Like two thousand four, two thousand five. Right. My Normans were still my Normans. They never changed. So they were. So I knew everything. I knew how deep they would get. I knew how far I had to cast to get them where I had to get them. I knew everything about them. So I started experimenting with the um, with fat-free shads and striking. And then I started to really like the fat-free shad as my, you know, faster diving plug. 
It, it had the flat sides to it. Um, it offered something different. And so those were my two go-tos. Okay. And then, and then Norman came out with the NXS right around when striking came out with the XD series. I gotcha. And so I was familiar with the XD, so I knew exactly what the NXS was going to do, and I was thrilled to death to have it gel coat dipped because I got the slow rise factor out of it. And I can slow roll it. I could burn it. It has a little erratic action to it. So so I'm really familiar with the Norman system, I guess is what I'm – and the long and short of it is I guess that's what I'm – Hey, the slow rise, you've mentioned that a couple times on it. Are you getting bit on the slow rise or are you just using the slow rise to be able to feel the structure and then pause it and know that it's not just shooting up and then when you get it over like the log or the rock, you can keep it back down on the structure? What's the benefit of the slow rise as opposed to a high rise? Okay, so here's here's what I like to do, all right? Um, when I When I start, when I'm cranking, Mm-hmm. The first thing I do is I make sure that I know exactly where the where I the sweet spot is. If I've already found the fish, if I'm searching right. for them, I'm I'm fishing um, until I get a bite, and then I'm gonna t- you know zero in on angles and everything. So let for for the sake of this conversation and and to give you the slow rise thing. Once I know exactly where I have to cast and what I'm fishing, okay. Um, when I'm, if I'm crawling it over rocks, for example, if there's a bigger boulder and I filmed a video and this happened, actually, there was a bigger boulder. So I would hit the small stuff. Don't, 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 don't. And then when I got to the larger boulder, that bait would literally walk up the side of it, roll around and then correct itself. Every time I got to the top of the big boulder, I paused And as soon as I stopped the bait, I got one. And I wound up catching a dozen in a row, all of them between three and six pounds off of this one boulder. My buddy was fishing with me, and I was catching them almost every cast, and he would catch one every 10 or 12 casts. So then I said, when you hit the big spot, stop it. Quit reeling. And then he started catching them one with me, one bang, bang, bang. So because I don't want it going, you know, Mm -hmm. floating super fast. I just, and here's the thing, especially on the longer build baits like the DD, when it rises, okay, it's going to rise and float backwards a little bit because of the bill. All right. Two things. If you bury it in a rock and you can't get it out, you flick your line a couple of times and it, it'll back itself out. Now, the cool thing about the DD-22 deep little end stuff is we talked about this on the standing mm-hmm. standing timber show. Th- this bait comes through trees like no crankbait I've ever thrown. It's a great brush pile plug. Oh, sickening. So here's the thing, okay? You know it's not going to rise super fast, okay? So you have to be patient when you're fishing treetops with it or brush. So when I walk the bait into the brush, okay, I slow it down. Sometimes I just pull the rod too so I can feel it going over every single limb. 
And so you can get it through the thickest of stuff like you can't even imagine that a bait would go through it. Now, obviously, it's a crankbait. It has two hooks. It's not 100% never going to hang up on you because if you get your line in the V of a branch, it's going to run in the V of the branch and get stuck there. Mm-hmm. But you could, you would be amazed what you can get these baits through. Have you ever messed around? I remember they had some sort of crankbait that it was called like a something spike back or something. It had a hook on the top, so you could run it through the brush. I've seen crankbaits that have the frog hooks on them, so the hooks go up against the belly, so you can supposedly run it through. Have I've seen guys who have taken the front treble off when they're fishing. Have you ever... In all of your years and in Norman, like, I mean, it seems like the hook system on crankbaits, regardless of brands outside of some major outliers who have tried to solve a problem, it's always just two trebles hanging from the belly and you use the the angle of the bill and the diving angle and the deflection properties to keep it from getting snagged. Has you ever messed around with weird hook placements? Yeah, I have, and I don't like them. And here's what I'm going to show you. Okay, so if your hook's on the bait properly, your belly hook, the two we've talked about this on the show before. The two hooks will ride up against the side of the bait, right? One point down. One point down. The back hook you point have one pointing up. Okay. Now, the back hook people say, Oh, it doesn't matter, but I like the hook pointing up because if a fish slashes at it, I want the I want the hook in the fish, okay? So when the bait runs it runs like this, but the hooks are actually out here. Can you see that? Yep. The hooks are actually out here like that and like that. The build deflection, when the bait hits something, it'll deflect like that and walk around the bait like that. Okay? That's And don't forget, it's moving forward, so that's going to keep the hooks in the out position. Mm-hmm. As it deflects over something, the hooks are actually away from the branch. Okay. okay. So that so I don't have I don't have issues really hanging up in the wood. I just don't. Um the the whole trick is you you don't you don't want to overpower it through the wood. You don't want to pull pull to get it through the wood. And a lot of times is if you stop it and then restart it. When you stop it and it backs up and you restart it, it dives again. Well, one of the back hooks might hit a branch that the bill didn't deflect off of. You see what I mean? So if you keep it slowly coming, it's going to work its way through the wood. My wife is bad. (laughs) Well, Tom Sales, with a last name like that, you should be getting a discount. (laughs) Every time he watches day four, it costs him $100. Oh, we have another name. Well, here, here's the, here's the thing. Okay. So, so, well, okay. Since we're talking about money. Uh, that makes, but that makes sense though, to, to wrap up the deflection thing. I right. understand why you don't need, you need as many sharp hook points as possible. You don't need to monkey right. around with it. The other thing I do guys is I don't use fiberglass cranking rods. A fiberglass cranking rod deadens your sense of feel. So, and with a deadened sense of feel, you can't hardly feel the bait. You feel the resistance of the crankbait going o- over and through the brush with fiberglass, but you don't feel what the bait is doing. I, I've had times where I felt the bass swipe at the bait, not hit the bait, not get it, pause it, 
and they choke on it. With a fiberglass rod, you don't feel that. Now, I'm going to have guys coming out of the woodwork, but I don't care because the truth is the truth. I don't crank with fiberglass. Well, Fritz cranks with braid now, so. Well, yeah, braid's spooky. We can braid, feel everything. Well, you feel everything with the braid, but there's zero stretch. Yeah. So you're That's having, why he combats it with the rod. That's why he uses the braid to, to right. pair even out with the rod. Correct. But you have a tendency to bury that bait into stuff with braid. Because there's no stretch to the line. Now, I crank with fluorocarbon, which has a lot less stretch than monofilament. And then, obviously, braid has no stretch. Um, But I crank with fluorocarbon for a couple reasons. One, fluorocarbon sinks, keeps my bait down there, keeps me more, I don't want to say neutral buoyancy because they're slow risers. But it helps that a lot. So, anyway. But, you know, he's... Mr. Sales said, hey, I mean, she gets mad when I watch day four because every time I spend $100, well, you, they, during the fall, we're going to have the, the fall in love fishing sale on LureNet. So starting September 15th, um, all the way through that's October, today. that's today, all the way through October, we're going to offer 15% off on selected models um, of baits each week. Okay, so so this week um, we've got, you know, walleye crankbaits and walleye jigs on sale. But we also have for the bass guys, square bills. Um, So you guys, I I forget every time what I'm looking at of just the colors. Oh, the walleye colors. Yeah, dude, those are the best. Look at that thing. Right. Because they're walleye, man. I mean, that's like an 80s acid trip right there. Yeah, it is. It is. And so so pay attention because every week, um, you know, for four weeks, there's going to be select lures. So so this week it's it's walleye crankbaits and jigs, but it's also square bills for the bass guys. Um, and then September 22nd through the 28th um, will be other lures. I, I, I'm going to save those for next week's show. But they're all bass lures, uh, so you want to you want to pay attention to that. And something else, because we're talking about saving money right now, um, the the bundle discounts, the uh, all all six pack bundles are twenty percent off. For, I think it's for the whole month. So all all six pack bundles twenty percent off. So if you go in there and buy a six pack of mobster swim jigs, twenty percent off. So you got to, you know, so just be cognizant on, on LureNet all month. It's the, uh, you know, fall in love with fishing sale. And every week it's going to be different lures offered at 15% off. So, so you want to pay attention to that. It's a really important promotion. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. This is a, uh, this is a Game of Thrones name if I've ever heard it. Joffrey Champagne. You got to love it. Okay, caught my first spook fish because because of yeah. you, Florida, Florida bass, bass color. color yeah, on baby. The tail, so thanks. Money. It's my favorite color, by the way. Florida bass and the color. Seven. There were a couple. We were talking about that canary. Doug said it kind of looks like a chartreuse sexy shad from Norman, but it, this canary's been around a long time. 
Oh, this thing's been Canadian. around for a long time, but it's it it kind of, but not. If you look at the rusty gold shoulders on it, okay. This this bait's pretty in the water. Yeah. This bait's insane in the water. It's a good uh, bait. Nick, while we're on the color, or we're on the topic of colors, wants to know great color depth crank for the Great Lakes Erie and St. Clair this time of year. Is that a yeah, can, okay, so you're going to go, like, Canary... As I see, can, Canary would have to play, oh, yeah. wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so Canary plays um, any of your uh, greenish-hued-backed baits play. Um, remember on the Great Lakes, they like this, they like that, that uh, you know, lavender-gray-back mm-hmm. color on the Great Lakes. But any of your, you know, traditional, uh, like, Green Pearl Shad works like the new next gen colors, which I I don't have here. And even if you're burning it for Great Lakes smallmouth, you're not using a fiberglass rod even for that. No chance in heck, man. No way. Okay. There's no you're way. You're not worried about those smallies bulldogging you and pulling no, off at dude, the boat. When they smoke that, listen. I've caught I've caught more big smallmouth on DD twenty twos than just about any crankbait I own. Um, DD 22s have two number two hooks on them. When they eat that, they eat that and you got them. And I, and I don't monkey around because like, I'll throw it on. I had it. I had a beautiful eight foot crank bait rod that Powell made a long time ago. It was called an 804. It's my all time favorite crank bait rod. Like a moron. I only had one because you never think we're talking about discontinuations. You never think something's going to be right. discontinued. I, I bought one to try it. I fell in love with it. I've, I've literally owned this rod for over 25 years, literally. Okay. I broke it this summer. Oh, it had a Nick in it and I polyurethane the Nick. Okay. It'd be golden and figured I'd be good. And I went to launch one. And it broke right where the nick I was. That, I bet you had a fantastic day after that. I was smoking mad. You know, I, I was irritated because that was my all-time number one go-to cranking rod. So he, so Powell has a, a 711. Um, it's not quite eight feet, obviously. It's an inch shy. 711, it's a little bit stiffer. It's a, it's a 711 six power. It's a little bit stiffer, and I I, I went to those. Um, that's what you throw cranking offshore for smallies. Oh yeah, like seven eleven, seven eleven eight footers. I launch them. I want backbone and I want length because length gives me control. And here's another thing that I never do, which sounds this is going to go against everybody's. This is going to make people's brains hurt. I don't bury my rod seven feet underwater to try to keep the bass from jumping because I lose more fish doing that than anything. I let them jump, but I keep pressure on them. I don't pull them. I keep pressure on them when they jump. You know, it's like if you've ever tarpon fished, when the tarpon jumps, you keep pressure on the line, but you give in to the fish. You let the fish jump. You lean into the fish you let him jump so he doesn't throw the fly. Okay. Same principle with the crankbait. I, I, I don't give him slack. I keep it tight. Let him jump, do what he's got to do. And for the most part, I land probably 
Yeah, I would say probably 98% of the fish I catch crank and I land. You land more in the fall than you do in like post-spawn, I feel like. The fall, they're feeding, they're aggressively chasing. Post-spawn, they're like kind of reacting, it seems, and they have softer mouths. Um, I don't know if the softer mouth thing is a truism or not. Um, it's just the way they bite it. Like here, like the times I lose fish the most on a crankbait is if they're hitting it from the top down. And usually the only time a bass is going to take a crankbait from the top down is when it's rooting around on the bottom. The fish is running it down, it's rooting in the bottom, and he gets it from the top down. Now, if they hit it on the ricochet, they get the whole bait in their mouth. Usually they choke on it. Um, but if they're topping it, that's usually when the problem occurs because they're not hitting the business end of the crankbait. Can you they're, tell you can tell dead. how they're eating it based on how they're hooked, right? Hundred percent. Hundred and whether they're coming from the bottom, from chasing it, slashing at it, or eating it from the top. Right. Right. Anything you're catching on the outside of the face, they're slashing at it. Okay. Um, if you if you if you got them hooked underneath the chin, they're they're smoking it on the top, and when they get it on the top, the hooks are on the outside. One will be on the chin. One will be on the top of his forehead. They're they're hitting it from the top down. They're not getting it. Um, if and then I can you can also tell if they're hitting it you know, out of aggression or if they're just irritated because they'll have one little hook will be in part of their mouth. Just one, one of the treble hooks that barely be hooked. Um, and that, in that case, a color change could mean the difference between them choking on it and you landing them all, or you're playing the mercy game. Please don't come <laughs> off. Please don't come off. You know what I mean? Um, you know, yeah, yesterday I went out, um, we're, we're in, we're in that early fall transition here. Fishing is not great. Um, I'm not talking about Lake Erie smallmouth fishing. I'm talking inland largemouth. Okay. Uh, fishing's not great. It's not terrible, but it's not great. Um, because the bass are all in this transitional stage. And, um, yesterday I wound up catching some on a top water and of course the square bell. Okay, the fat boy. And it was funny because the the first couple topwater fish were lazy, barely, you know, barely wanted it, barely anything. The fat boy fish, I had to get players and dig it out of their throat. Um, so they were clearly on bait. Bait was everywhere. Um, you know, that's part of the issue now. The bait's on the top, it's on the bottom, it's everywhere. Um, but they definitely wanted that that fat boy yesterday in a big, fluffy way. So, you know, every fish I In hooked, a what? A big, fluffy way. <laughs> is that an Ohio phrase? I don't know what phrase it is. Are we talking about phrases or fishing now? I've just never heard a big, <laughs> fluffy way. Yeah, they just they they wanted it. I didn't even play games. I had I had one rigged on seventeen pound, one rigged on fourteen, and one rigged on twelve, just so I can control the depth of where I was at. You know, whichever yeah. line size I picked up. Okay, so if they are eating it, I will go with a. a this is just me. I'll go with the EWG treble, a gamagatsu, but but an EWG that kind of shape. If they're slapping at it i'll go with the round bend i've heard you talk about 
treble yeah. hooks and stuff, I've never heard you talk about the shape of the treble and if you ever change that. Are you just an old school round bend guy? Well, yes and no. I mean, for the most part, I got round bends on everything because if a fish swats at it, I want them getting stuck right. somewhere. Um, I, I I don't play the EWG game a lot, but on some of my smaller crankbaits, like a bait they don't make anymore, the Booyah Flex 2, I use the EWG on that bait all the time. Um, just because it's a flatter sided bait. Um, and I've had, I've had no issues with it on that bait. None. Okay. But I, but on my bigger plugs, like the fat boys, a bulbous plug, I want round bends. I want to get the hooks, you know, away from the sides of the bait. Everything's about hook percentage. Like here, if you look on the deep little end, it's super skinny at the bottom. It's all hook, Right. Mm-hmm. The belly, the belly's not super fat either, and the hook rides number fours ride, and they stick out on the sides of the bait. Okay, which is important because if the fish takes the bait, you want those hooks staying away. So the fat boy here, let me. I'm just gonna have to pull it out of the package because all my other all my other ones are in the boat. So carefully and gingerly. So if you look at the fat boy, that's a it's called a fat boy for a reason. It's kind of bulbous. Yep. Okay. But if you look at the hooks on it, they they stick way out. You know what I mean? They stick out from the bait. Even if I turn it this way, you can you see the hooks? You mm-hmm. can still this is what I want. And with the EWG style hook, I gotta go too big of a hook to get them to be on the outside of the bait. And then, and I don't want it. I don't want it too wide of a hook on it because I want it to be able to come through everything. So that's okay, kinda... then um, if you're okay, if you are, but you're, actually... but you're right though. You are right. If the bass are aggressively eating, uh, going to the EWG style uh, will ensure you a massive hooking percentage. Massive. Once you hook them, they're hooked. Yeah. Once okay. you hook them, they're hooked. So I don't know what do they? They come with decent hooks on them. Um, mm-hmm. but if you're grinding this stuff into the rocks, you're putting it into the oh, wood, yeah. you're catching, you're going to have to replace your treble hooks. I change hooks like a lunatic. Okay. Then in a big me, fluffy way, in a big, fluffy <laughs> way. answer me this. So, I mean, I use, I use, uh, gammies, yeah, um, but you have, uh, you have short shake, you have the round bed, you have bronze, you have black, you have two X, you have all sorts of different options yeah. within that. Um, you have, uh, I remember the DD-22s used to come with the bronze number two gammies. Like, yes, scary sharp. You look at them wrong and they're like in your finger. Correct. Uh, but like I said, you can use a a number of different, different hooks now. So like as a, as a replacement hook. Okay. What is the, your best all around kind of replacement hook if you're going to buy a I mean, like I said, just your opinion there on what you like to replace with. Okay, first off, I don't, I'm not a short shank treble hook guy. I never okay. have been. I want the hook, because I want the hook farther back from the body. Gives me a better hooking percentage. It's farther away from the body. Okay, my personal preference, guys, 
I know guys are going to come out of the woodwork. For Say, hey, guy. I can use a two with a short shank instead of a four with a longer shank. Yeah, but that's, I don't know. Anyway, okay. you ask me a question, I'll answer you what I do. Um, and there's pros and cons to everything. So I use, I don't use 2X and I don't use 3X ever. Okay, I'm not fishing for Barracuda. I'm, I, I'm, I, I want easy hook penetration. I want that thing to be like a thin needle, get in that fish, get them hooked up. I'll play them out and I'll land them. I've had, I went to two and three X and started losing fish is what happened. And I said, I'm not playing this game. Um, so I threw the black nickel, regular black nickel Gamagatsu magic eye. Remember when they made the magic eye with the? Yeah, they still do. <clears throat> right. So, except I can't get the I can't get the regular shank. Every time I go anywhere, it's always the short shank. Magic In the magic eye. eye, yeah. So I went back to my the original Gamagatsu bronze. Okay. On on all of them. Anytime I replace a hook, that's pretty much what it's getting replaced with. Um, they're they're pin needle sharp. But here's the thing, okay? They will dull quickly because of that reason. You can resharpen them probably once, and then and then they got to come off because <clears throat> there there's in anything you do there's a give and take. All right, um, it's like this: you could rig your bass boat to be a rocket ship and run lights out top end, and you're not going to handle any rough water. You know what I mean? You could rig your bass boat to be a pure rough water boat, and you're not going to run over 70 miles an hour. It's, it's There's give and take in everything. Same thing in, 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 the, in the crankbait game. Same thing. Um, the black nickel hooks, as long as they're regular strength, not 1X, 2X, have no problem with them. Um, the bronze hooks, no problem with them. Well, yeah, they're bronze. They're not actually Aberdeen. Um just the regular ones, no problem with them. Um, you know, I keep it really simple. So when I open up my hook box, I've got, you know, everything from eights all the way to one aughts in treble hooks. And, and that's pretty much where it goes. Okay. Are you sticking with the hook size that the bait originally comes with? Are you ever going bigger? Like, are you ever putting a two or a three on a fat boy instead of a four? Oh boy. I never put a two on a fat boy in my life. It's a lot of hook for that plug. It'll still run. The plug runs. Um, but you're going to hang up on everything with a number two. Um, I, I like the number fours and I like the regular shank number fours. You'll have to pay attention because it's a short bodied plug. So every now and then those fours are going to, you know, hook on each other. So you just got to be pay attention to that. But I'm not losing fish, so I'm not changing anything. So if it um, comes with a four, you're keeping the four on it. If the DD22 comes with a two, you're keeping a two on it. You're not ever going to go down to a four. You're not ever going to go up to well, a one or a one off. Well, here, like this. Okay, so the the middle end, um, I'll put a number five on the middle ends when I change the hooks out. I put a five on it just because... <sighs> I like them better. 
I mean, that's a valid question, isn't it? Yeah, it's very valid. It's insanely valid, actually. Um, you know, I pretty much I, I pretty much I don't monkey around with hook size too much. Okay. If if I get a crankbait and the hook looks small to me, I might upsize it. But if they're if they're short shanked hooks, um, you know, I'll practice with the short shanks. Uh, and and then when it comes time to game time, I'm switching them out anyway. Because once okay. I if I fish a bait, the hooks come off and new hooks go on. I don't even store my crankbaits with hooks on. That them. was the next question. So if you're gonna if you're going to replace hooks and and you can use whatever whatever brand, brand you hook like, you want. but right. but let's stick with like like let's say I I know that I want that Gamagatsu just regular round bend. Uh, are you buying a a bulk pack of twos, threes, four, or twos, fours, sixes, and eights, and you're having them, and they're sitting in a dry, in a Ziploc somewhere where they're not getting messed around, they're not on baits, and right. then when it's time to throw that bait, you spend 30 seconds, split ring pliers, pop off the old dull hook, or if you've already taken it off when you've dried it and put it back into storage for the day, hey, you're out on the water, time to use this bait boom you pop on a new set of trebles yeah. and you're good to go for the day and then at the end you you bail it so you've you're like a dollar in on hooks at the end of the day yeah like if i'm um when i a couple weeks ago i was catching them so good cranking um that i that i after like every fifth fish i had to change hooks out because we were catching a lot of big giant fish and really rooting through the rocks and um the hooks were getting dull because that bait was just—I mean, we just were jamming in the stones. So we had a so it was just too much abrasion. You know what I mean? Um, and so I changed a lot of hooks that day. But I don't even have them. I don't store them with hooks on them. I'll have what what I'll have, and I wish I had my box up here, but I don't. So what I'll do is I'll have one color with hooks on it, and then the same colors of that bait I'll have four deep no hooks and then if i have a different color one of the different color will have hooks on it and the uh, the spares don't because they sit nice in the box they don't get all marred up the the hooks aren't tangling on everything and 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 literally i can change hooks in seconds i don't even use split ring pliers i just put the hook on the side where the where the split ring it wow here we go. I just put the hook on the side where the split ring is, turn the hook sideways, push it in, turn it, and it, and put it on the split ring. It doesn't take long. It's just a couple seconds of time. But it, you know, I'll have a little container with a lid on it where I put all my used hooks so I don't step on them by accident or kneel on them. And then my problem is if I don't, I'm like, is this a new hook? Is this an old hook? Mm-hmm. Oh heck yeah! And then what I do is I'll bend the I'll take the hooks I take off. I bend bend one of them all the way into the hook shank, so it's bent in, and I know it's a no good hook. Then there's no confusing it. I'm trying to find this. It's I'm having a difficulty. Uh, it's okay. I'm having difficulty finding it because you have to like uh, you have to type in specific words. Yeah, and that still pops up. It's I'm just so, Gamagatsu not... round bend bronze. Yeah, I, I just man, I'm so happy they brought Canary back. That's all I care about. <laughs> 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 that 
that's all. I it, sometimes I get irritated painting baits that I got to fish with all the time because I spend more as much time painting as I do fishing, and I'd rather spend more time fishing than painting. Yeah. Uh, have you messed with the nano coated hooks yet? Like the G finesse style or any of the owner stuff or anything? Yeah, I, I have to be honest with you, but I didn't do it in I didn't do it in a treble. I, I actually did it in a worm hook. Um they so far I'm not having issues with them. They're a little fat. They're they're a little fat wired hook. Um, but I have not having any issues with it. The smaller the, the bait, the more sensitive it is to uh hook sizes Size, like i think yeah. of it think of a uh a jerk bait like you have less tolerance the more precise you have to get and to get a smaller crankbait you have a lot less tolerance as far as weight and and right. motion so you have it affects to pay the action you have to pay attention to hooks especially on suspending baits because you up the hook size on a suspending bait you can now make the baits to slowly sink okay and so you, you have to pay attention to weight you know, hook size on jerk baits. Um, and I'm very particular on my jerk baits because I want my jerk baits. If it suspends, I want it to sit there and I want it to very slowly rise. I don't want it falling. I want it rising all the time. Not, but very yeah, slow. Do they even make those anymore? The old Excalibur twisties Clay talks about. I was always scared that I was going to bury one of those and wouldn't be able to do the line trick on them because they twist. Oh yeah, dude, straight up. Um, I I do not think they make those anymore. You can um, make them yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I have friends of mine that love those hooks. That absolutely love those hooks. Um, it was a good concept. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the hooks. We've talked about the rod. You talked about the line. We're talking a lot about the Norman crankbaits. The one thing we didn't mention, and some I saw someone in this feedback say, "Hey, I just lean into them." Are you setting the hook on your crankbaits? Are you reeling into the fish? What's your best strategy to assure a solid hookup after you've gotten the strike? I reel and pull them. I reel in and I, I sweep the rod hard. Once I lock up on them and they're fighting me, I catch back up to it and then I let them fight the rod. Um, I, I don't even rely on my drag. I, I thumb bar them. Oh, my, really? So you've yeah. got that thing strapped down. No, it's not winch tight. It's an emergency brake. Okay. So if I, if I don't get my thumb bar pushed down in time, if it's a really big one, I don't get my thumb bar pushed down in time and the fish surges, my drag gives. Okay. But you're not feeling the drag unless it's last case scenario. Right. I'm thumb barring them all the time, especially giant smallmouth. Thumbbar um, meaning explain exactly what you're doing because okay. you're you're kind of living on the edge until you get used to a thumbbar. Oh, you're living on the edge. <laughs> so what I do is I push the thumbbar down and use my thumb on the spool to control the tension on the fish. Um, because that I you I have more control if I feel what's going on than relying totally on the drag. Now today's reels the drags are super smooth and you can do that. Okay, no big deal. But I, but I want to know that if I'm going to stop the fish, I want to stop them. And I don't want to try to gain on them and not be gaining on them. And same thing, if the fish is running and fighting me hard, I can, you know, release and give them tension on my spool with my thumb. And, I, and I'm in total control. And here, um, 
the best way to learn how to do this is go catch a couple muskies on your crank and stick and then try to land them. And, and you, and then you will get really good at your thumb bar. Uh, for those of us not in musky territory for the majority of the year, you can also go up and snag Buffalo in the shallows. Absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. When you hook a fish that could literally take all your equipment away from you, you'll learn how to thumb a fish fast you know, thumb the spool fast. Um, I la- I catch more muskies uh, bass fishing and land them than m- most muskie guys see in a lifetime. And, and I, and I'm using bass equipment, no steel leaders, no nothing. Um, and I'm landing them because I'm not relying solely and totally on the drag on my reel. So it's just any, and like Matt said, you're on, you're in the danger zone until you figure out exactly how to do that. Because the last thing you want to do is have your thumb slip off the spool and. (laughs) Yeah. Then you are breaking off. Oh yeah. You're done. Uh, Dude, we ended up covering an entire show. We started out with just talking about the canary colors, which led into the crankbaits, which led into the systems and the rod and the fighting and the way you fish it. And then we did a hook segment. Now we're an hour in and we did a whole show on a variety of Norman crankbaits. I think we tied up a lot of of, uh, a lot of loose ends to where, like I said, it's interesting when you do the how you fight a fish, how you get a bite, you get into the specific colors and it matches perfectly with a lot of shows that you do. Because it doesn't matter what hooks you have or what your rod is or what color your bait is if there's no fish around to eat it. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you have to combine the yeah. shows. <laughs> you have to, right. I don't care how good of a fisherman you are. If you're where there's no fish, you're not catching it. You got to be on the field in order to hit the ball. Right, right. right. So so, so I, have a, I have a video. We're trying to get it released soon here. It's going to be that uh, late summer, early fall transition um, up north. We're just now, we're still kind of summery here. I mean, it's still in the 80s, high 80s, um, but the fish are moving um, based on daylight times. Uh, this video is going to help guys really um, make things a little easier. There's a lot of map work in the video. There's a handful of fish catches, but most of it's map work. Um it's very similar to a, to a BTL show uh, when this video breaks. Uh, so you'll want to check that out. And remember, you know, the, the fall in love uh, fall fishing specials are going on all the way through October. Uh, different week, every week there's going to be different baits. This, this week, the 15th through the 21st, going to be walleye cranks and jigs. And then, of course, square bills for us bass guys. There you go. There you go. And the canary color. Guys, honest to God, this is a this is a real deal color. Um, I'm so glad they brought it back. It's just and we're gonna do that. We're gonna bring some retro colors back. So get get on those newsletters, sign up for these things, and you'll have input. Input's important. Good stuff. Day four, number eighty five. Any idea what we're talking about next week, Frank? <laughs> Not yet. Cross that bridge when we get there. We're going to cross that bridge when we get to it. All right. This has been another edition of Day Four with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys next week. Adios.